0: Hey there, and welcome back to Browns Cast. I'm Max Linsky. So today's episode was taped, uh, as all of our episodes have been taped, in the Browns facility in Berea, Ohio, but it really starts almost exactly 20 years ago, October 17th, 1995. We're in Charlotte, North Carolina for the World Combat Championships. It's like an early version of MMA. And in the ring is the favorite, this huge, hulking beast of a dude named Bart Vale. His opponent that night a not-so-huge hulking beast of a dude named Mike Bettonio. It's one of the most famous fights in MMA history, and it's famous not because of who won or lost, it's famous because of how hard Mike Bettonio fought that night. For nearly eight minutes, he got the living crap beat out of him. There's no other way to say it. It's painful to watch. The fight is up on YouTube, it's been watched over two million times, and it's because even though he is getting the living crap beat out of him, Mike Bettonio refused to give up. The announcers during the fight keep pleading for them to stop it, and Mike Batonio refuses to tap out. Our guest this week is Mike's son, Joel Batonio, and he had just turned four the day his dad fought that famous fight. As you'll hear on today's episode, the courage Joel saw that day, the lessons he learned from his dad growing up, are what made it possible for him to become one of the most promising young offensive linemen in the NFL.
1: He would always tell me, like, Joel, give everything you can I'll carry you off the field if I need to you know basketball game I'll carry you off the court if you need to give me everything you have and, and you know it kind of does summarize how I, I want to play the game
0: and how I was I was brought up you'll also hear that Mike died suddenly right before Joel's first college game and that the anger Joel felt afterward the hurt was part of what got him here too
1: but then after that I was like dude I can do this every play you know I can play to the whistle I can finish people I can I can be an angry football player and still be Joel Batonio the nice guy off the field you know and, um,
0: and it really worked for me but we started by talking about that night in October 1995. Hello, Joel. Hey, how's it going, man? Joel Batonio. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here, man. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. It's your, uh, it's your off day. Yeah, off day in Cleveland. Tuesdays. That's, that's the,
1: uh, the golden off day. Yeah, us. do you look forward to Tuesdays? Yeah, it's nice. I mean, it's better after a win, but um, it's still nice. Just get out of the building, uh, refresh your mind a little bit, not really think about football too much. Can you really not think about football? Uh, you think about it, but you're not thinking about what you have to do exactly. Right. You know. What do you like to do on your off days? Sleep in usually. Usually I like <laughs> to sleep in a little bit. Cause How late did you sleep today? Uh like eight fifteen. So not. That's not great.
0: Yeah, come on. That's. I, like- I
1: came in the building day. got a little work in, so it wasn't wasn't great. Usually I can get like nine or ten. That'd yeah. be really good. I'm still I'm still pretty young, so yeah. you I have that college, you know, sleep in like weekend, like eleven, twelve. You, you know, you can do that. Uh ten thirty probably is pushing it for me. Yeah, but um. But I I enjoy that. And then, you know, get a good meal or two and then just kind of really, I mean, I I don't have to do anything, but I like to get out of the house for a little bit. I don't want to just be in the you know apartment all day. So I'll go do something, even if it's just like walking around the mall or or something dumb like that.
0: (laughs) Man, I got a bunch of things I want to talk to you about. And uh, I spent some time before we talked reading about you and and about your story and about your dad. I watched that fight, man. I watched that fight. So your dad was was, uh, one of... One of the kind of early MMA fighters. Right, correct. And uh, took part in sort of like the first really famous MMA fight. Yeah, it was it was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> he was fighting a guy named Billy Vale, who was 45 pounds heavier than him. Yeah. Had several inches on him. I watched it twice this morning, and I got to tell you, man, it it's hard to watch.
1: Yeah, <laughs> a little bit, man. I uh, so I knew he was in that and stuff like that, but I didn't. I don't think he showed me it. I never watched it like young, you know what I mean? It was yeah. I mean, you were like ridiculous. four or something, when it yeah, happened, exactly. Right? So yeah. I didn't know what happened, you know what I mean? I want. I want to say going into high school, maybe or like somewhere in there, you know what I mean? Like kind of becoming a man type of thing, you know? Yeah, he so like he was he, like, "It's time for you to watch it." Yeah, he like showed me it, and uh, during the I knew he lost, but during the fight, I was just like, I was like so amped up so you know what I mean like almost like rooting for him even though I know what happened and, and he like he said it was like the guy was like 275 like juicing out of his mind I mean you know 6'5 my dad was you know six one, two ten 210 yeah. at the time like just skinny little guy and the part that gets me is when he you know he, he reversed it. him he flipped it and he got on top I was like even though I knew he lost, I was like, he's going to win this thing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's going well, to win this it's thing. It's amazing. I mean, he said the guy was so sweaty that he, what got him was he slipped. You know, when he was on top, he threw a couple of haymakers, and he, he kind of slipped off, and then the guy got into hold on him, and he just, you know, it, it's exhausting. There was no rounds or anything. It was just like a long fight. Like, whoever won, won. And right. and by the end of the fight, Bart Vale was actually, he couldn't go on to the next round. It was like a... MMA tournament like they fought it was the, like the quarters the, yeah like the next day you know what I mean like the <laughs> semifinals and the next you know it was just outrageous stuff and so both of them got were done you know the both of them oh really like he couldn't move on he like I don't know what he what got hurt but he was exhausted or or couldn't move on either and then my dad was obviously out because he lost so they both eliminated And it was kind of BS too they told my dad he was going to fight someone else you know beforehand oh, and then really? when he got there like oh we had to make some changes and stuff like that so you're gonna fight the giant deer. yeah so he had no time to prepare really and so it was kind of it was you know the new new era of uh mma and stuff like that in the cage you know for the first time and he yeah. actually used the cage to kind of flip over if you you know see yeah, the video yeah, yeah, which was like he kind of pops was, himself off yeah off, which yeah. was kind of cool and um and it, it, for me you know it, it was cool that he you know did that kind of stuff but when i finally saw a band it was it was really like man like you know i kind of wish i was kind of there with him you know yeah. you know, cheering him on or something but that's what he stressed to me in life was just like hard work which which he shows you know he works hard and just never give up on on what you have you know growing up everybody's like oh you gotta have a plan you know in case sports don't work out my dad would always tell me like why not you you know, why not you? Why aren't you the 1%? You know, people are like, oh, it was 1% of 1%. I'm like, right. he's like, why aren't you the 1%, you know? And when people are floating ideas at you about doing other things, he's like, why aren't you the 1%? You know, go run another lap, you know, and type of things like that. And and so it just was, it's something I look back on, like, man, he preached what he was about. Mm-hmm.
0: When you went back and watched that with him, I guess when I was watching it this morning, like, it, it, it made my stomach hurt, but it was also just like, man, this guy's incredible. Like the Like, the the courage that he has in that fight like what was it like to be like that's my dad you know like yeah, it that's was, my blood that's where was, i
1: come from it was the same thing for me man i was like i was nervous very nervous watching it and i i got almost emotional too like man like i kind of wish i was there to like help him you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. like but it it uh for for me it just kind of it, it proved to me cuz i had you know my whole life he had tell me you know like work hard do all this kind of things and he he showed it to me in that fight, and it kind of just, kind of just showed a side of him that I had never seen. You know, I, I he, had, he had been emotional, had, you know, that kind of thing, but he never showed me him actually being in the in the ring. You know mm-hmm. what I mean, and stuff like that. And I kind of learned, like, God, this guy tells me, you know, all these things about working hard, about persistence, about never giving up. Then I see it firsthand, right. and and people are talking about him and stuff. And I do remember. We went to Disneyland when he came back because he was in North Carolina or something. We lived in um, San Pedro at the time, California. And he came back and we went to Disneyland. He had some money, you know what I mean? So we went to Disneyland.
0: And like this is pre like MMA. Oh, he wasn't getting paid huge. But,
1: you know, he got some money for it and we went there. And actually some people asked for his autograph and stuff that had watched like pay-per-view, I guess, and stuff. So I was like, man, my dad's a superstar for a little (laughs) bit, you know. And and he's just a – and the thing is he was – he did flooring. You know, he laid carpet and tile for a living. He was a hardworking guy that's what he always told me. He's like, Joel, you know, he told me about the football. And why not? I can't be the 1%. But he's like, Joel, if you want to be a toilet cleaner, if you want to do something like that, be the best damn person at that job that you yeah. can be. You know, it was never, oh, you have to be a doctor. You have to be this. But he's like, just be the best at what you're doing. Work the hardest and you'll be successful. He died when you were a freshman in Nevada. Yeah. Uh, suddenly. No sign at all. Just I got a phone call one day and that was it. How that change your life? In every way possible. I mean, I I was 18 at the time. I just moved away from college. You know, I was trying to get my bearings in Nevada. And my mom calls me, and and, and this is the guy that I've watched these fights, that I've watched go through so much pain, you know, heads and back things, like work on his hands and knees his whole life. And then someone says like, oh, he's gone. And I'm like, I've never seen him hurt before. I've never seen him injured. I've never seen him tap out. You know, he's He's Superman, Superman, Superman to me. And I just, and then they're like, he's gone. And I'm like, I didn't say bye to him. You know, we talked a lot and stuff. And I had an unbelievable yeah. relationship with him. So for that, I had 18 years of greatness with him, honestly. Like, I couldn't have asked for a better dad. But I never played in front of him. I never played a college football game. And he's the one that, you know, we worked for it so long. You know, those days where he's like, all right, we can go get some work in. Or I'll help you out with this. You know, I'll, I'll you know, just play in basketball. I'll catch your rebounds. You know, things like that. Where yeah. it's just like, and he's not the one that's there that gets to see it you know when I got drafted I was like you know he would have been the happiest he would have been the biggest Brown fan in the world you know coming here and now you know he you know he might be out there somewhere but he's not a part of it physically with me and I mean my mom's great my my brother my sister my grandparents my uncle my aunts are all you know very supportive but he's the one I shared those memories with you know he coached me playing basketball he coached me playing football growing up like it was just part of us we were gonna make it together almost you know and and for him to be gone like that it's just honestly my best friend you know was was gone and and you know my mom was is the strongest woman I know and that, that's what hurt me more than anything was my little brother was ten years old wow. so he didn't get those years you know mm-hmm. I got those years with him growing in high school and stuff like that my mom you know says she was married to her best friend you know she'd been married for twenty-something years and and she wanted to spend the rest of my life the rest of her life with him and um, and for that to be gone is just, it was just, it was heart-wrenching. I mean, I was sad. I, I wondered, like, why, you know? And you think about, you see things on news and stuff, and you're like, I can't see that happen to us. And then it does. And you realize how strong you know, people are in your family. My mom, my, my sister was unbelievable. My brother, I mean, it's just... It's crazy. And kind of football brought us together. You know, she came out to the games and it it made my mom kind of keep living her life. You know, she'd come visit and watch games. and made me, I was in training camp, you know, so it made right. me, I went home for a week and got things settled, but I had to come back and do my job. You know, I had to play there, paying me to go to school, you know, and and my dad would have, he would have been so mad if I would have, <laughs> if I would have left and, and like went home or something for a year. You know, he's like, right. dude, what are you doing? You know, so it, it was, it was never a question in my mind, but it was, it was so unbelievable, and I still think about it. You know, before every game, I'm like, man, he'd be here watching or he'd be watching on TV right now. So it's, it was huge, but I think it made me a better person. It made me play with a little vinegar, you know, a little angry on the football yeah. field too, you know, like why, why did this happen to us?
0: But um, I think I grew from it. The thing that's happened is I've had more conversations with people in this building. That's a theme. People have gone through something really hard. Uh, it feels like almost uniformly, almost everybody here has gone through something really hard which in a way I think helped them get here. And it's interesting to hear you say that that going through that gave you a little anger on the field like a little a little uh edge that maybe you wouldn't have had otherwise. Uh it does seem like to play at this level to work at this level it takes uh it takes something like that. Yeah. Um you know,
1: I was young. I never played a college football game before when it happened, but I kind of needed to take a next step in my performance. Like, I was fine for a spot, you know, to start and stuff. You weren't, like, a super heavily recruited dude. Oh, no. I had – I was going to go to UC Davis. They were, like, my only Division One AA school. And then uh, Nevada kind of offered me late, and I was like, let's take a trip up there. We went up there, and we were like, let's do it. Let's go to Nevada. So <laughs> I had, like, one Division One offer, but um, but it, it worked out well. But, um, yeah, I was kind of – you know, learning my learning what I needed to do to play in the game. And I came back and I was like, I was pissed. I was honestly angry, you know what I mean? And, and it just helped me get out some of that anger on the field. And I realized, like, it wasn't something I think about now. Like, oh, I get angry before the game because of it. But it taught me that, man, if I can play this way, I can be better. And so, you know, I was angry for, you know, months that year. But then after that, I was like, dude, I can do this every play. You right. know, I can play to the whistle. I can finish people. I can... I can be an angry football player and still be Joel Batonio, the nice guy off the field, you yeah. know. And um, and it really worked for me, you know. And and I was under recruited, you know. And I was like, anytime we played against the UCLA or we played Florida State, we played big schools. I was like, man, screw these guys, you know. They didn't even take a chance. UCLA is in my backyard, right? And they didn't even sniff at me, you know. So it's it was just part of part of it, part of growing up and becoming a better football
0: player. How do you manage those? those two people in the way that you just described it is like angry guy on the field and nice guy, Joel Batonio off the field. Like, do they feel like two different people to you or is it just kind of like two sides of yourself? I would say two sides of myself because
1: I feel like I practice and stuff. I'm still like a jovial guy. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I like to joke around and stuff like that. But when we get in the, in between the lines, we're actually playing and, and doing things like I try and take it as serious as possible. And I try and, you know, be that guy that I want to be that can perform at that level. And it makes it still. I'm still learning, I think. So the angry Joel is kind of something that happens when I play football. And it doesn't really happen off the field too much.
0: What's your process, I guess, for making that transition? Like before a game, how do you kind of get into that mindset? Or does it just come naturally? Um,
1: It's definitely coming more and more naturally. I think, you know, at first I was still like, all right, let's, you know, focus on it. Let's do it. But now it's like I've been doing it for the last five years, and and it's what what I – do every time I play now so I just kind of almost give myself a pep talk it probably sounds crazy but I just talk to myself a little bit you know all right Joel let's get going you know time to time to focus you know do you yeah I know in my head you know (laughs) but it's sometimes I'll maybe whisper to myself or something like that but you know a lot of people listen to music and stuff I don't need to listen to music before the game or anything like that I just you know kind of focus for a second think to myself you know talk talk about some stuff and like let's do it man let's play ball
0: do you have like a thing you say every time
1: um I definitely like like just Think to my dad. I don't know if you'd call it talking, but just be like, "All right, man. Like, here we go. You know, we're doing it. We're playing. We're playing in the NFL. You know, like, I mean, it's crazy." And you know, I think about every time I go out there. Like, I'm warming up. I'm looking at the stadium. Like, dude, I'm playing in the NFL, at the highest level you can possibly imagine. It's it's kind of unbelievable. It's still surreal every time I do it. But um, just we just kind of chit chat. Like, man, I know you'd be watching this one. You know, let's go get it. Let's be safe. Keep me safe out there.
0: You must be so proud of you.
1: That's what I hope, man. I know he was. I know everybody says like, "Oh, your dad was so proud of you" and stuff like that. And that's what I want. I want to make him, you know, proud. I want to make him, and I know my mom is unbelievably proud, and she tells me all the time that he'd be proud of me, but um, I think that's that's what I shoot for, man. And, you know, I'm happy, and I want to be the best just because that's how I, I was raised. But, you know, I want, to be, I want to make him proud. I want to make my family proud. I want to make people around me proud.
0: Tell me about being in Nevada. You know, you show up there. You didn't have a lot of scholarships. Like, everything that I've read about your time there, was that you were the heart and soul of that program. Like, you you played every game. People looked up to you on that team. I'm interested in how you become Joel Batonio. You know, like, how how do you go from under-recruited guy to, like, you know, the heart of a team like that?
1: Yeah, I think it took a while. You know, I came in there, and honestly, the first time we had, like, a scrimmage and stuff, I was like, these guys are so fast. Like how am I gonna ca- <laughs> like I couldn't catch a linebacker to save my life. You know what I mean? I'm like, how am I supposed to get to these guys? <laughs> like, like how am I supposed to block these guys? You know, we have. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's there with me. Yeah, and he's leading the offense. We have you know defensive guys that are, you know, Brandon Marshall. He's a linebacker for the Broncos now. He's playing really well. i mean, guys that I'm just like I can't block these guys. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna be able to do that. And so my first year was really for me like. Developing me as well. I was never. I played basketball and I did some track in high school, so I never was. In You're the a good hoop. basketball player. I, I like to say I was. You know, people oh, six, four, 300 three hundred pound white guy. You know, come <laughs> on. But but I think I think I could take take some guys that you can move some dudes in the paint a little bit. Yeah, man. And I, I got some good feet, man. It's, it's you know people are like oh he's probably a banger. I'm like yeah I can, but I'll hit you with a spin move or two. You know. Nice. And uh, but um, you know I was playing other sports, so I never really got to like the weight lifting crazy. So I came in pretty under undersized weightlifting wise you know i was never as strong i was an athletic guy but i was never that strong so my first year redshirting, i went from like i just st- need to say
0: like looking at you right now it's very weird to hear you say like i was never that strong i, I wasn't I you mean, are you are a huge <laughs>
1: <dude>. <laughs> thank you but um no i came from like 275 and i went to like 305 in like six months oh. and like i mean i was eating dorm food you know free three meals a day and then i was I was lifting. I mean, I was redshirting. I knew I was gonna redshirt. So I went in there and I was lifting. I'm just like, All right, soak up whatever the coach tells you to do And I did that. I was on Scout team and I was going to get some good players though. So every day on Scout team, like you have nothing to lose on Scout team. Like if you block the guy, it's like, Oh, good job. If you don't, it's like he should have beat me anyway. Right. So I took that mindset and I was like, All right, just work on your technique, work on the things that you wanna do. My next year, we had a lot we had an old line. It was a year that Nevada went like thirteen and one. Yeah. And I was a redshirt freshman, that's, you know, the summer before was the year my dad passed away. And I was fighting for a starting spot. Like, I, it wasn't, you know, for sure. And I, I didn't get at the starting spot my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year. And I was angry about that, honestly. Like, I was like, I'm better than this guy. You know, I'm, yeah. I am tell myself I'm better. And it's hard to say that when your team's 6-0, you know, I'm like, I'm better than these guys. I can play, you know, and they put me in games. You know, I got, I rotated in sometimes and I, I was on special teams. I was on punt and I would run down there and I was like, I'm going to make a tackle, you know, and I actually made a couple of tackles and stuff, but I was doing things that, you know, like just field goal punt and got rotated in. And I was like, man, I want to play, but we're winning games. So, right. you know, you're part of that. And we ended up, I ended up, our starting tackle got hurt in the game to like win the whack. And I went in and played three quarters. And after that game, I
0: was like, Dude, I can play Division One football. You know, I was telling myself that,
1: and so, so and we—that must have
0: been an incredible moment when you were just like, like that, that, that feeling finally just being like, I can do this. Yeah, exactly. I deserve
1: to be here. I didn't get all conference or anything my junior year. They gave me like some honorable mention thing. Really? And I was like, I'm the best lineman on this team. Like, I'm the best lineman in this conference. Like, I'm telling. I don't say that out loud. Yeah. But in my head, I'm thinking this, and it made me. I was pissed, man. And I know it's like people are saying like other accolades and stuff it's it's people you know voting on it and stuff and we had two linemen on my team that got all conference who are good players they both have one's in one place for the patriots one was on the falcons for a little while you know he's playing he played arena league like these are good football players you know and i respected them so i was happy they got it but i was mad at some of the other schools you know that i was like man i deserve this we had a rusher that ran for like 1800 yards like yeah we weren't bad and i wanted it bad and and i was like that's a slap in the face to me like i gotta Uh prove these people wrong and and I, lot, I was kind of like a little heavier, maybe my junior, like 315. And, and I went back down to like 305, got – I mean, I pushed myself in the weight room. I always worked hard, I thought. But I pushed myself in the weight room, and and I really took that leadership role. There was no one for anybody else to look up to. We right. didn't have any, you know, seniors that were – I was like the only senior. So, um, you know, I just kind of took that role, and, and they, they voted me captain my senior year. And, and, I mean, we were not great my senior year. We were 4 and 8. <laughs> but it all kind of just – came together, man. It was just this one giant thing where I moved up some draft boards. I kinda killed the combine and it
0: it kinda blew up for me, man. Second round and That must have been wild that that period of time when you were moving up the when you are moving up the boards. Like At that point I was like, I've done everything in my power.
1: Now we can see what teams like and I still didn't know. I didn't still didn't know where I was going. Cleveland called me on draft day. I had no idea Cleveland was going to draft me. Really? Yeah. No, I, I talked to him a little bit at maybe the senior bowl or something like that, but no idea and they were like oh you're
0: you're one of our guys we needed to get in this draft and I was like I was like well let's make it happen (laughs) so you get drafted 35 one spot ahead of Kaepernick congratulations that must have been awesome one of the things that I've heard about you in this building a lot was that you made the transition a lot more easily uh, than most rookies do first off does that sound right to you and then second why
1: I would agree with that, I would say. From what I've seen, you know, I've only been here a couple of years, I mean, second year now. I think first and foremost I was raised in the way where you always have to earn everything. You know, I'm a second-round pick, and you're going to make the team if you're a second-round pick. Like, no one's going to cut a second-round pick. So, you know, you can come in with that mindset of, like, oh, I got this first year at least. You know, I can kind of cruise, and, you know, I got paid a little bit of money. But my mindset was, like, now i got to prove that Brown's right. You know, I was right. under-recruited out of school and stuff like that. I've never been in this position where someone's, like, He's our guy, we're taking him. And I was like, now it's time to prove the Cleveland Browns, Ray Farmer, Coach Penn, these guys are right. You know, I got to make a statement that they drafted a kid that's coming in here ready to work. You know, no one who, Cleveland fans didn't know who Joel Batoni from Nevada was. Right. You know, talk about Twitter followers going up. I had like 300, it went up to like 10,000 overnight. You know yeah. what I mean? And I was, like, I was like, they don't know who I am. You know, they want a receiver. They want someone else, you know, like that. So I just had to prove myself, you know, prove to them that I could do it, prove to myself that I could play at this level. And I think the transition that really helped me was I. They put me next to Joe Thomas and Alex Mack, who are right. the best of their position, you know, in the NFL. And learning the playbook takes time and stuff. But when you're out there, and Joe says we're double teaming this guy, I'm gonna double team. This guy. Like, <laughs> you're just do you know. I, I think I was more nervous the first day they put me next to him. Like, don't step on his foot. Don't like go the wrong way and run into him. You know, I was like so focused on being good next to Joe that I uh, <laughs> that the, the the play calls and stuff came easy, and then. You know, with them helping me make the calls, like, I started learning it myself. And it just kind of was a, I mean, a perfect match. You know, I think Cleveland's perfect for me, I think. Why is Cleveland perfect? Like, honestly, when I was driving around Cleveland the first time, I was like, dude, my dad would love this place. Like, it just seems like a, like a homey, like, hard blue collar type of people that he is all about, you know what I mean? That's how I was raised. He's like, it was always respect everybody. Like, why would you be disrespectful to somebody? You know, that's what my dad would always say. Like, always respect everybody. Work your hardest, and things are going to work out. Like, those are the two things. Like, if you work hard and respect people, what else do you need? You you know? And I just come here, and I feel like I get that vibe from the people here. And then I come in here, and they're like, you're going to play left guard between two all pros. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I'll take that. (laughs) Yeah, I
0: can do that. (laughs) Just, it's so so interesting to hear you say this, Joel. It's like over and over again, as you tell this story, it's like I had to prove this person wrong. I had to prove this person wrong. I had to prove this to myself. I had to prove that to myself. It seems like that's the way that you approach this, that's that's where that motivation comes from. Like, you're just looking for things to help you get to that next level. I think so, and I
1: think... I think for me it, instead of like proving people wrong like I know I was angry you know like UCLA and people didn't do that I would never tell them like oh gosh like why didn't you recruit me but yeah. just proving to myself like I could have played there though like right. they could have you know my senior year, like I would have started for you guys you know what I'm saying like <laughs> I could have done that yeah. you know it's just like a little sneaky thing like it's never like I have to post on twitter like oh gosh proving people wrong you know what I mean right. it's just like in my head making myself feel better about things you yeah, know what talking I'm talking to yourself a
0: little bit Exactly better. exactly what surprised you about getting to the NFL what 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 uh what didn't you expect like people always
1: say it's a job you know what i mean it's a business type of thing and there's a couple of things the first thing was how much we meet like the meeting <laughs> times are ridiculous i mean I'm, that, I'm, you just sound like a like a like a normal office worker everyone hates meetings oh yeah meetings are it's unbelievable like in college you're there for like four hours a day i mean you know you have some lifting you have some you know treatment and stuff but you can only meet for a couple hours and you have to go practice like here we're from eight to five and it's only two hours of practice. Everything else is meeting or lifting weight. You know what I mean? We're yeah. meeting for five, six hours a day. And I'm like, I don't think we can go over those blitz anymore. You know, it just <laughs> just things like that that kind of blew my mind. I mean, I knew it was a job and I knew it's, you know, it's what I want to do. But the, I sit in those chairs and I'm like,
0: at least it's something I'm interested in. You know, I right.
1: couldn't imagine if it wasn't something, you know, right. At least it's
0: not like some, like, uh, like mid-level manager giving you a presentation about, like, next quarter sales or exactly. whatever.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then it's such a business, man. Like, the first time we had those cuts, you know, like last yeah. year during camp, Yeah, you know, I, get, I get used to these guys that are, like, teaching me the ways, older alignment and stuff, and then all of a sudden the next day they're just gone. And, like, no other job. I mean, you can get cut for things, but no other job in the world you walk in and lose Half of your guys that you've been working with, half of your guys, no warning, they don't have to pay them anything. You know, just like oh, see you later, like, and that's the thing that blows my mind. I, I have empathy for those guys, and hopefully, I never it never happens to me. But you work so hard for the chance to play in the NFL, and people are like oh, they're so lucky, they're so lucky, but and we are we're blessed to, to have this opportunity. But you sign a three year contract saying they're going to pay you this, this, and this, and then the next day they can be like, just kidding, you are not quite good enough. You're not good enough. You've been the best at what you've done for your whole life, and then someone comes up and says you're not good enough to do this. I couldn't imagine what that does to you as a person, and and it's just kind of ruthless, like business wise, you know. And it's part of the game, and it's part of the NFL, and I'm I'm so happy to be playing it, but that's the part that really kind of shocked me a little bit. Do you think you'll get used to that part of it? I don't think so. I was doing it this year, and I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, it was happening again, and I was like, gosh. I thought I'd be, you know, better off this year. I thought I'd be a little better about it. But it's the same thing because you see the same people. You know, the the rookies come in or the guys that are having their second, third, fourth chance are in here. And then just some guy walks up to you and you're like, hey, coach wants to see you. And the coach just says, like, you're not a good fit. You're not good enough. And it all means you're not playing for this team. Like, you can say it any way you want. You know, you watch Hard Knocks and you see the guys going in there. And I I watch the show just to see what's happening. And that episode just – Pulls in my heart,
0: man. It's it's unbelievable, and I, I just couldn't imagine losing the dream. We have talked a lot about uh, your life on the field and how, how you uh, how you kind of work up your energy to play. I'm interested in, in uh, what you like to do off the field. Now I know this is just your off day, but like uh, I've heard that you like to cook.
1: Yeah, I uh, I enjoy cooking. I'm not the greatest ever, but I'm improving every time I get in the kitchen. You know, I made some <laughs> steaks the other day that were like the best. I I, I grilled. What were bowl. you making? Um, well. John Greco, another alarm on the team, is unbelievable chef. Like he knows what he's doing in the kitchen. He gave me this like mushroom reduction, wine reduction sauce that I was trying out. So I made some um, New York strip steaks, grilled those up, had the mushroom, you know, reduction sauce, and it was pretty good. You know, my fiance was impressed. So I usually try and handle like the meat portion of our meal. Like I'll be, I'll cook the steaks up, I'll cook the chicken up, and then she does like you know the veggies and the salad. But yeah. I, I enjoy cooking, so I love watching like the Food Network. Sometimes it gets a little out of hand. Like they have these like. Cutthroat Kitchen, you know where they're making them do some crazy stuff. I kind of just enjoy seeing
0: them cook. Right, you're like, uh, I'm watching this to relax. I yeah. get enough competition in the rest of my life.
1: Exactly, exactly. I enjoy that. I enjoy movies, man. What kind of movies? Any movie, man. As long as it's good. I like the dramas, you know, where I'm like, it makes me think a little bit. Like, man, this stuff is a little crazy. But I love, I love seeing action. I love comedies. You man. seen one recently that stuck with you? American Sniper. I didn't, I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it. I was on a plane and I watched it. And that, that one was just emotional. You know, I'm like, man, these guys go through a lot of stuff. Yeah. And it's it, it kind of opened my eyes to a few things. I'm kind of interested to see that um, The Martian movie. You know, I like to read books, too, where you, the books turn to turn to movies, and you kind of see what's happening in that. But, you know, that new Maze Runner movie, The Scorch Trials or whatever is coming out, it's like the second one in The Maze Runner. I don't know. It was like okay. this, it's kind of like a young kid's book. But I read The Maze Runner, and I watched the, uh, the movie. And it was like the worst movie to book or book-to-movie. The movies are never as good as the book,
0: Never as then. good,
1: man. But I do enjoy, like, reading it and then seeing, like, Hunger Games. Yeah. Like, I read all those, and I was like, man, I, they've done a pretty good job. You know, they've missed some few things that – it really angers me when they miss, like, easy things. <laughs> but I still keep reading the books, so I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> you wrote this thing for, for Monday Morning Quarterback about your first season as a rookie. Do you like to write? Yeah, I enjoy it. They kind
1: of approached me about, you know, doing, like, a thing for the – you know, my rookie year and stuff. And I was like, let's give it a try. You know, I'm kind of open to trying things, you know, like if it comes to food, if it comes to movies, anything, I'm I'm never picky really about things. So let, like, let's give it a try, you know? And uh, and they kind of helped me, you know, gave me some ideas for it and stuff. But it was, you know, my thoughts and stuff. And, and I enjoyed it. You know, I, I, I like writing, but I don't know what, what to write sometimes. You know what I mean? I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to write about. You know, <laughs> like sometimes I think like, man, if I'd make a book or something like that, and I'm like, I couldn't write for 200 pages, you, you know? So... <laughs> So, it, you just it, got to write. That's
0: the rule, man. You just got to start Just got I know I hear that all the time, man, and I'm just like, I feel like you'd come up with something interesting. Pretty fascinating life you've had so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's some there's some crazy stuff, and I I see things all the day. Like I'm driving on the freeway and I'm like, what is that car doing? You know what I mean? Just <laughs> things that, you know, people probably don't care about, but it fascinates me sometimes. I'm
0: going to ask you about one play which was last year. You know the play about. You know the play about. I know about. the play. I didn't even have to ask you the question. <laughs> just just walk me through that moment, man. Okay, we're we're playing the falcons and
1: it's a close game i don't remember if we're winning or losing but we're going into halftime we're like 60 yards out and the farthest field goal we've kicked maybe this year was like 45 or something like that so we're out there and joe thomas comes out and we're like all right we're gonna kick this you know it's gonna be halftime they put devin hester back we kick the first one we miss it by like 10 yards and we're like oh there's like a penalty or they call timeout or something like that i'm like let's re-kick this you know and me and Joe are like, we really got to cover now. Because Joe's next to me on field goal, too. And I'm like, all right, let's run down there. Let's cover.
0: And because if of, of the field goal goes short, then Hester. He can return it. Legendary future Hall of Famer. Yeah, the best returner of all time. Is going to return this game. Okay. And mind you,
1: we have, I want to say, seven O-line, six O-linemen out there. A long snapper who's sometimes not the most athletic guy. Two tight ends. Right. A kicker and a punter. That's right. our that's our team to go not tackle. Yeah, exactly, uh, the speed squad. You know, and not the we don't tackle ever. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> our that's our squad out there to go tackle Devin Hester, and they have, every single person on their defense is more athletic than we are. Right. So we're out there, and I have right contain Like I'm like the last line of defense on the right side, so I'm running down there, and he catches the ball. We miss it. He catches the ball. He kind of does his little, you know how Devin Hester does that little walk, like, before he starts. Yeah, he yeah, yeah. It's like
0: a like, uh, like, um, uh, roadrunner. Yeah, like, he takes digga like, digga he
1: takes, like, digga. three steps, and then he starts moving, and then he starts sprinting, and he starts running towards their sideline, which is opposite of me. So I'm like, well, I don't think he's coming back this way. And I stopped maybe at, like, the 20 or 15-yard line. Some guy was trying to block me, and I kind of, like, shoved him off, and he kind of went and blocked someone else, and I was like, well, I might as well turn and run. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, you know, we'll see what happens. Hopefully someone tackles him. You know, I didn't want to be the guy that had to make the tackle. <laughs> right. And so I just start running towards, like, the other goal line. Like, I'm like, maybe I'll meet him. Maybe we'll see what happens. And I kind of, maybe at the 50-yard line, I kind of see him in my periffs, And I'm like, dude, I might run into this guy. You know what I mean? We'll see what happens. And luckily, our punter, like, jumped in front of him just enough where he cut back towards me a little bit more. And I he didn't see me at all, I don't think. And I just ran and... And what I remember vividly is he was way smaller than I thought he was going to be. Like when I tackled him, I'm like, man, when you got there, yeah, I'm like, this guy's like went down way easier than I thought. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> and then obviously I look up and he's like five eleven, you know, 180 pounds. But like in my mind, I was like, this guy's going to be hard to take down, you know. And so I, I just I, I wrapped him up. And honestly, no one I've never been told like great job on a play by more people or more publicity than that i mean I play left guard so it's like i don't score touchdowns or anything but people are like that was the most the greatest play ever and stuff like that and i'm like honestly i just turned and ran like and then he ran into my path you know but it, it you know it saved a it saved a touchdown we ended up winning the game by a field goal so that, that's kind of what the way i play football though you know just play as hard as i can you know god forbid we throw an interception or have a fumble but whenever we do i'm like all right let's go make a tackle you know let's stop yeah. them let's not be the guys to let them score
0: i watched that play before we talked there's a reason that all those people said that to you. Like, it, it it's an emotional thing to watch because you didn't you didn't have to do it. Like, you didn't have to run. No one would have faulted you if Devin Hester returns that kick. It was way above and beyond, and, and maybe this is a stretch, but I don't think so. Watching, it's not unlike watching that fight your dad was in. You kind of can't believe someone's pushing themselves like that.
1: I appreciate that, man, because when you're in the moment, it's hard to think about that because when I'm playing football, I'm just like, go as hard as you can, you know, but when, when you kind of talk about it like that, it, it really, it's the way he raised me, man, and and seeing him fight and stuff like that, giving me anything I need, and he would always tell me like, Joel, give everything you can, I'll carry you off the field if I need to. You know, basketball game, I'll carry you off the court if you need to. Give me everything you have, and, and you know, it kind of does summarize how I, I want to play the game and how I was, I was brought up. Joel, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it, man, this was awesome.
0: Thanks for listening to Brownscast. I'm Max Linsky. I produced this show with Aaron Lammer. Our music is from Francis and the Lights. Our editor is Larissa Bird. Thanks so much for listening. All the episodes are up on brownscast.com or iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. If you're feeling generous, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We'll see you next time.